And, and it's nice. I think Brad said it's starting to feel like Christmas outside. And, and how many of you grew up uh, in a colder area? Anybody here grow up in a colder area, colder climate? So for those of us that grew up north, um, you know, it kind of feels more like Christmas. But I am so glad that I'm here um, because it's so much nicer here. And the high next Sunday is 81. And so I'm looking forward to that coming back. So Merry Christmas to each of you. And as we go into this message for this Christmas Eve, um, we've got a core verse that we've been using as a church during this entire Advent series. It's from Matthew chapter 1. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say this together, God is with us. And that's why we're here for Christmas. It's because God didn't just come as a baby, but God came he gave his life for us. We have the Holy Spirit, and God has never left us. So we have this opportunity to come together. Yes, it's a holiday, but we also recognize that this is a spiritually significant time as we celebrate what God has done. Now, as a church, we've looked at the fact that God is with us when we're in the wilderness, when we feel like we're just kind of lost in life. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there where we have these times in our life where it feels like we just are wandering around. We've talked about God being with us in the storms, where all of a sudden it's just your day didn't start off like that, but by the end of the day you found yourself completely in a storm. Uh, when I worked in the children's hospital emergency room, I was always aware of the fact that that was kind of our life every day was to be in that craziness, but most of our families, they woke up having no idea that that day was going to be an incredibly difficult day. Maybe you've experienced that recently or you feel like you're in the storm right now. Well, today we're going to talk about what it's like to experience God on the mountaintop as well as in the valleys. And I'm actually going to dig into a text that I'm guessing you've never heard read on Christmas Eve. And I'm doing that intentionally to get us to maybe sit up and pay attention. To understand that we're not here to check a box off, but we're here to let God speak to us and through us. So as Christians, it's easy to understand what it's like to be with God on the mountaintops. I think in my experiences growing up, going to a Young Life camp up in upper state New York and having amazing worship and climbing on top of rocks and getting a chance to do quiet time with like my other cabin mates and overseeing a sunrise. Um, I think about Easter morning where we get a chance to do sunrise service and you see that the sun rise in the middle of worship and just that mountaintop experience of just feeling God's presence. Uh, Christmas Eve, you know, having the opportunity to come and, and light candles here before the end of the night just to get these mountaintop experiences. You know, perhaps in your life, it's that time where at the end of the year you find out that you get a raise or your team wins or your kids slept through the night for the first time. You know, whatever it is, you feel like you've got these amazing experiences. It's more difficult to understand how God is with us in the valleys. When you feel alone, you feel scared, you feel like you're, you're hurting, or you just receive bad news unexpectedly. So we're going to look at what it means to be in these valleys, these places where, as you understand in Scripture, when they refer to valleys, valleys are places where battles would happen. Valleys were places that loneliness existed, that desperation, places that you would go when you were hurting. And what we experience 
in God on the mountaintop is very different from the valleys. If you did get a bulletin, uh, you can also jump on the app, and we've got a place for our notes there too. The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. If you're like me, we try to go through life having as many mountaintop experiences as possible. But as you look back at your life and you understand the times that you've really grown the most, we grow in God tremendously many times when we're in the valleys. So we're going to be in Psalm 84 for the first part of this message. It says in Psalm 84 and verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Now I put a bracket in there. Because I want you to know that this is a prayer that is being said. So he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. He is speaking to the Lord. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Till each appears before God in Zion. Now I promise by the end. This will connect back to the birth of Jesus. And this message is at the core of what Christmas Eve is all about. Now the word baka is actually very similar to a Hebrew word that means weeping. And it's also in reference to a baka tree. And the tree actually looked like it was weeping, like a weeping willow. So they refer to this as a place. And when they say the Valley of Baca, there actually was a real valley that existed. It was a desert area, and it was outside. And many times if they were on their pilgrimage or on their travel to Jerusalem, their holy city, they would have to travel through the desert, deserted, lonely Valley of Baca where battles were recorded and taking place. So to get to the place of peace, they had to travel through the valley of Baca. It would be nearly impossible to go through this valley without facing some kind of trouble, some kind of adversity, maybe even having bandits that would come in and that they would attack during this time. So this valley of Baca, also known as the valley of tears, the valley of weeping, the valley of loss. You see, you can go so quick sometimes from being a mountaintop and then you receive one phone call, one text, one bit of bad news. And you find yourself falling down from the mountain and being inside the valley. In Psalm 84, 5, we read it said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, the Lord. You see, if you don't know God personally, what you have is all you have. That verse actually would read perhaps different to you. You would see that as Blessed are those whose strength is reliant upon themselves. That you have to fight with your inner strength. You've got to believe in yourself because that's all that you have. When you get exhausted, perhaps you just can't take any more because your strength is all that you have. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say blessed are those whose strength relies just on themselves. But it's a prayer calling out to the Lord. Blessed are those whose strength relies on God. This is a prayer of recognition, not of independence. Recognizing that we were created to be dependent upon other people. But yet, I understand the challenge of growing up. In fact, my first job, um, when I quit working for a church in my early 20s, I graduated, uh, and it was time for me to move on, I said, to a real job. 
And so I quit working my job as a pastor, quit working for the church so I could go out and get a job so I could be independent, so I could make more money, I could uh, buy the car. And I did get the, the house on a golf course and was pursuing that plan. But God was able to show me that all I was doing on that time was relying on my own strength and not leaning on to what God's plans and expectations were for us. So we see this truth throughout Scripture in Psalm 139. It says, you go before me. And it says, God, you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. You see, it's so easy for us to try to be independent. So when I was thinking about this, I thought of a time in my life where I was completely dependent on a couple other people. So I've got a picture here of a few guys that, that are kind of going rock climbing. And this is kind of illustrates the way that we would go rock climbing. So I had two friends, uh, Bruce and Chad. Um, Bruce uh, became a Green Beret. Uh, Chad actually is moving out to England right now to become a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. So these were my guys. And so we would go rock climbing, but they both were much better than me. So one time we were out in West Virginia traveling from Ohio. And so we head out that way. Bruce was always the lead climber. So he had no rope above him many times when we would climb. So he would be the one that would be going up and he would be putting the, the carabiners in. He would be setting things so that I could have a rope that I could follow behind. And then underneath me was Chad. And Chad was the one that would actually be taking the things out of the rock so we could continue to climb up this mountain rock. And I experienced that there were a couple times, I will tell you, that the rock broke. I lost my footing, and I was reliant completely upon that rope and the two guys around me to stop me from tumbling down and falling to the bottom of a very, very high rock. And I think that's a great illustration for understanding what it means to rely on God. That God is there. It says in Psalms that he goes before us. He's watching over us. He's going behind us. He's guarding us. That we've got a God that is watching over there. There was one time that I was so physically exhausted. Uh, I know I make myself not sound like as heroic as the other guys, but it's the truth. And we're climbing up this mountain, and we're getting to the top, and there's maybe like 30 feet left to go. And they're like, come on, Kevin, you can do this. And I'm at some point just like holding onto a rock saying, I don't think I can. And I remember Bruce at the very top, he had made it to the top. He goes, you can do it, just start climbing. And so I start climbing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so strong. Like, I don't know where this strength is coming from. I'm Spider-Man and I'm climbing up this rock. And what happens when I get to the top? I see Bruce doing this. <laughs> and he was literally carrying me up the side of this rock. And see, that's what it is. And I have people say, well, you know, Pastor, you know, I think Christianity is just a crutch. I was like, no, man, you got it completely wrong. My Christianity, my faith in God is not a crutch. My relationship with God is not a crutch. My relationship with Jesus is that he carries a stretcher and puts me in the ambulance, and he takes me away when I need his strength, that I'm completely reliant. A crutch means I still have good one good leg, and I have realized that that's not the truth that God is my strength. He is who I rely on. He is the one that can pull me through these difficult times that we find ourselves when we're stuck inside the valley. This is what God has promised you, that Jesus came so he could go before you, that he could prepare the way, that he could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 
But God loved us so much, he didn't just come as a child, he didn't just die for us, but he's still Emmanuel, God with us. He continues to be present. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So that's what I'm trying to do with my story. I'm boasting on my weaknesses, that I'm reliant upon God in every single part of my life. Going back to Psalm 84, it says, Whose joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And I love that. And this is something that God has shown me more and more and more. It's the importance of where we put our minds. You see, they were on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They maybe were in the valley, but they were going to what was known as the city of refuge of Jerusalem. They were going to the place that was called the place of peace. One commentary said it this way, to get to the city of refuge, you had to travel through the valley of tears. And I love that imagery. Sometimes we get to a place where you to really appreciate the presence and the power of God. You have to push through a little bit of pain to get to the presence of the goodness of God. That sometimes we have to go through a valley in order to find this deep intimacy with God. One way I put in the notes is this. For so many, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. That we've pushed through the valley, that we're on a pilgrimage, that we're going to the place where God wants us to go. So many times we find ourselves in a place of discomfort, a place of difficulty, and we assume that we're outside of the will of God. We're outside of where God wants us to be. But that's not the promise of Christmas. That's not the promise. The promise is, Emmanuel, that God is what God is with us. That God is with us in the valley. That God is with us in the storms. That God is with us on the mountaintops. That part's easy. But that God is with us when we find ourselves in the valley of Baca. We find ourselves in the valley of despair. We find ourselves in the valley of desperation, depression, of loss, of hurt, the valley of unemployment, the valley of losing a loved one. We find ourselves in these really difficult moments. It said, blessed are those who have their minds set towards God. You see, this is the battle that we have to fight every single day, is what is it that we look upon? Where is it that we find our hope? Colossians 3 says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Where is it that we put our minds? Where is it that we put our perspectives? Because what you think about matters. This week, as I've been working on this message and preparing for this Christmas season, I have found myself laying awake at night more than I have in a long time. And I can list off all the way that God has been so good to us in this season. But I find myself, and so like literally like, and if you don't know our family story, my son, uh, my oldest son's been very sick for about six months now. And so there's been many nights that him and I are up together late at night because we've dealt with similar stomach problems since I was his age, and now my son's dealing with it. So when he can't sleep and he's up at night, I just kind of force myself to be up with him many times. 
And so one night, like I jokingly kind of said, well, just go count sheep and fall asleep. And then I actually followed that back up and was like, you know what? That, that's silly. Like, that's not going to work. Let's talk to the shepherd. And we got together and we just continue to pray in the midst of the pain. Sometimes that's very literal. In the midst of discomfort, in the midst of difficulty, and said, man, let's just go to the shepherd. And I'm here to tell you that God answers prayers and that God helps us fall asleep when our bodies hurt and our minds are restless. But we're still in the valley. We're still fighting this. We still don't know exactly what's causing this. And we've done, yes, about every single test you can imagine in the past three months. But God continues to be with us. And so many times we expect God to pluck us out of a difficulty. But the promise that God gives us is that he is going to be with us. My current circumstances may be in the valley, but my mind is fixed on God. My heart may be anxious. My mind is fixed on Jesus. My soul may be aching. My mind is fixed on God. My emotions may be racing, but my mind is fixed with the Holy Spirit. We've got too much to do. Our marriage is in a bad place. You've got in-laws in town. I shouldn't have said that because my mother-in-law is sitting right there, so I've got to be more careful. That was just an illustration. That's all. I love you, Ginger. We know that our mind is fixed on God. There may be real tragedies that keep us in the valley, but we know that he is with me, and then we hold on to the promises of God, that he is greater than the one who is in me, than the one who is in the world. We know that my God is going before me to prepare a way for me. It says in Scripture, his spirit gives me strength when I am weak. It says I need him every moment of my day in his word that we have available to us, unlike any generation before, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. When I cannot make it, his power becomes very real. I may be in the valley, but my mind is on the kingdom of God. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going to the place of peace. You may be in the valley, but keep your mind fixed on Jesus Christ. Another thing, if you're taking notes, I wrote down this. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. If you were to think right now of the deepest need that you have in your life, and don't point at the person if they're that right now in your life, that's keeping you in the valley. Maybe it's a person that you only get to see, or you only have to see once a year, on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning when the family gathers for a meal. Whatever it is that you think is the biggest problem in your life, if you change your perspective and you bring God into it and you let Jesus and say, I'm gonna give you control of this situation, you do realize what this verse means for you. It means that what you think is driving you crazy, what you think is causing you issues, if it drives you to pray more, if it drives you to say, God, I need you more, then actually you're taking your biggest weakness and you're bringing God into it and it's gonna make you stronger in him. And the truth is, if you think your happiness is dependent upon someone else to forgive you, someone else to call you and tell you that they're sorry, then you're giving them control over your peace. But if you change this around and say, God, I want to forgive them. God, I want you to help me through this difficult circumstance. God, I want you to be in the midst of my son's pain and discomfort. 
then all of a sudden, all we're doing is driving Jesus more and more and more into your life. And I will tell you this, our salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. He was born of the virgin. He died on a cross, a perfect sacrifice for our sins. But there is healing in the midst of our lives. when We bring Jesus into the middle of your hurt. There's healing in our difficult circumstances and within the valleys that we find ourselves in. It says in that Psalm 84, verse 6, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with ponds. You see, we may be in the valley, but it's not a destination. Do you get that? It says we walk through the valley, not to the valley. That's not our destination. We're just passing through. It says the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, the valley is not a place that God wants us to stay in. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're, you know, you're just feel depleted. I ask that question a lot this season. Are you tired? A lot of times people say, yes, I'm tired. And I say, if you slept for three days, would you still be tired? And they say, you know what? I probably would be. Because we're not just tired. We're depleted. We're emotionally tired. We're spiritually, we need God into our lives. The way through is also the way out. Uh, I was playing a, a video game recently, and because uh, I do, and uh, it was a military game, and it had a quote from Winston Churchill when I didn't make it through a level, and, and this came up on the screen. It's a Winston Churchill quote from World War II. If you're going through hell, keep walking. And I wanted to share that quote with you. If you feel like you're in the middle of the valley, don't stop Keep walking. And where does the pilgrimage take us? To the path of peace, to the place of peace, to the city of refuge. Don't stop. Bring God into it and keep on walking. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. In the original King James Version, they say they make it a well. What they're telling us in this verse, when you find yourself in a place of desperation, maybe you need to dig a hole to give God the opportunity to fill it up is what that verse is telling us. You know, maybe it hasn't rained in a long time, but have the faith to dig the hole. When you are in a dry place, dig the well. Dig the hole to catch the rain that you know that is about to come. You see, the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is just take one step of faith. And maybe you expect, you know, God to come in and fix everything, and that's not what he's going to do in that moment. But God is going to give you the opportunity to have faith in him. We see that all throughout the life of Jesus. He tells the person with the hand that, is, that was born disconfigured, he said, reach your hand out and I will make it well. There was faith that was needed for God to follow. We see this throughout scripture when, when Jesus is called out to the person, he says, pick up your mat and walk. He first must have the faith to pick up his mat. And then God brings the healing. It's almost like God is telling us, show me your faith so that I can show you my faithfulness. When you find yourself in the valley, cry out to God and say, God, what can I do to show you my faith? And respond to the opportunity that God gives you. 
dig a trench when it hasn't rained, expecting God's blessings to come. See, buried in in this passage of pain is a promise. If you dig it, God will fill it. In James 4, it says, draw near to me, God, and he will draw near to you. If you come to God and you draw near, the faith and the promise that we hold on to is that Jesus will come and he will be near with you. In Jeremiah 29, it says, then you will call upon me and go to pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Are you looking for Jesus in your valleys? Are you looking for Jesus in our difficulty? God reveals himself not when we're rushed, but when we're present and we draw near to him. Be still and know that I am God, he says. See, the good news of Christmas is he's your light in darkness. He's your peace in the storm. He's your joy in the trouble. He's your strength when you're weak. That we can hold on to the promise. That we can enjoy him on the mountaintops, but get to know him deeply in the valley. I'm going to close by reading the passage that maybe you were expecting from Luke chapter 1. This is Zechariah who was a priest in the temple. He was the father of John the Baptist. And the Holy Spirit comes and gives us this great Christmas Eve uh, passage. His father, Zechariah, verse 67, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us, is the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. Verse 76, and to you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. John the Baptist going before the Lord Jesus Christ to prepare the way, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into what? The path of peace. You see, Psalm 84 may not have felt like a Christmas passage, but it is the Christmas message. The good news that we have is that Emmanuel, God with us, God came, Jesus was sent to us, born of a virgin, so that he could lead us to the path of peace. So the Christmas story challenges us in all these ways that Christ is born to challenge our expectations of peace. The Jewish people had a very particular purpose. They believed the Messiah was going to come. That he was going to come on a white horse as a young man that was ready to lead an army to overthrow the Roman Empire. You know, we see this expectation in verse 74. It says, the Messiah will rescue us from the hand of our enemies. So many times we expect God to deliver us 
from our circumstances, from the valleys that we find ourselves in, from feeling marginalized, from being in poverty, from being in despair. But in verse 79, it says, it shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. So it represents this shift in perspective that God does not always rescue us from our circumstances, but it promises us that he will always be with us in our troubles. The more I reflect on this promise on the Prince of Peace, I'm drawn to the Isaiah passage that says, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. See, it doesn't say that he's the Prince of Convenience, the Prince of Ease, or the Prince of Comfort, and definitely not the Prince of my preferences. Because a lot of times when God promises me peace, I hear convenience, and I hear that it's going to be uh, an easier life. But the Lord has been speaking to me, and maybe you don't understand this, but when God's with us in the valley, it's impossible to experience peace when it has to be only according to our plan. But God comes in, and he says, no, I'm going to be with you in the valley. I'm going to be with you in the difficulty. I'm going to be with you even when life is hard. It's not just that he delivers us from it, but the promise is that he meets us in it. You see, that's the whole message of Christmas. See, God could have shouted down from heaven and declared from the stars who he was, but he chose to come and be born in a dirty stable. Why? Because he wanted you to know that he's coming not just to be a God that's unreachable, but he's coming with you to be a God that is with you in the middle of it. Would you pray with me? God, we're just so thankful for this Christmas message, Lord. God, I'm so thankful that we know that you are our guide, Lord, that you walk with us in the valleys. That, God, that because of you, we can fear no evil. God, the path to peace can be a strange one. Jesus, for you, the path started off in a stable. It led you around Israel. And you found yourself on a mountaintop called Gethsemane. And Jesus, you cried out, God, if there's any other way than me going and experiencing the wrath from your hand, let this cup pass from me. That Jesus, the path of peace that you came led you through the Kindron Valley and it led you to a hill where ultimately you were crucified. Perhaps then what Zechariah said in Luke 1 was fully understood, that you would guide us to the path of peace. You would guide our feet along the path. God, I'm so thankful it's not the path to peace, but it's the path of peace. It reminds me that every step we make, you are with me. Every move I make, you are with me. Every season of our life, we are present. For those that are hearing this message today, know that that's the path that Jesus invites you on. It's not a path that's always perfect, but it's the path of being with Jesus. If that's the path that you hear and you say, I don't know if he's with me, just invite him. Say, Jesus, as I go into this new year, I want you with me. Not as a crutch, but I'm willing to completely surrender my entire life to you. I'm going to give you control. I want to give you my life. 
because you've already given me yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand. The kids are going to come back in and join us here shortly. And we're going to light the candles and celebrate God this Christmas Eve.